Chapter 16 of Airplane Flying Handbook, FAA H8083-3A, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Norman Elfer. Airplane Flying Handbook, FAA H8083-3A, Volume 3, by FAA. Part 1 of Chapter 16 Emergency Procedures Emergency Situations This chapter contains information on dealing with non-normal and emergency situations that may occur in flight. The key to successful management of an emergency situation and or preventing a non-normal situation from progressing into a true emergency is thorough familiarity with and adherence to the procedures developed by the airplane manufacturer and contained in the FAA-approved Airplane Flight Manual and or Pilot's Operating Handbook, AFM-POH. The following guidelines are generic and are not meant to replace the airplane manufacturer's recommended procedures. Rather, they are meant to enhance the pilot's general knowledge in the area of non-normal and emergency operations. If any of the guidance in this chapter conflicts in any way with a manufacturer's recommended procedures for a particular make and model airplane, the manufacturer's recommended procedures take precedence. Emergency Landings This section contains information on emergency landing techniques in small fixed-wing airplanes. The guidelines that are presented apply to more adverse terrain conditions for which no practical training is possible. The objective is to instill in the pilot the knowledge that almost any terrain can be considered suitable for a survivable crash landing if the pilot knows how to use the airplane structure for self-protection and the protection of passengers. Types of Emergency Landings The different types of emergency landings are defined as follows. Forced Landing An immediate landing on or off an airport necessitated by the inability to continue further flight, a typical example of which is an airplane forced down by engine failure. Precautionary Landing A premeditated landing on or off an airport when further flight is possible but inadvisable. Examples of conditions that may call for a precautionary landing include deteriorating weather, being lost, fuel shortage, and gradually developing engine trouble. Ditching, a forced or precautionary landing on water. A precautionary landing, generally, is less hazardous than a forced landing because the pilot has more time for terrain selection and the planning of the approach. In addition, the pilot can use power to compensate for errors in judgment or technique. The pilot should be aware that too many situations calling for a precautionary landing are allowed to develop into immediate forced landings when the pilot uses wishful thinking instead of reason, especially when dealing with a self-inflicted predicament. The non-instrument rated pilot trapped by weather or the pilot facing imminent fuel exhaustion who does not give any thought to the feasibility of a precautionary landing accepts an extremely hazardous alternative. Psychological Hazards there are several factors that may interfere with the pilot's ability to act promptly and properly when faced with an emergency. 
reluctance to accept the emergency situation. A pilot who allows the mind to become paralyzed at the thought that the airplane will be on the ground in a very short time, regardless of the pilot's actions or hopes, is severely handicapped in the handling of the emergency. An unconscious desire to delay the dreaded moment may lead to such errors as failure to lower the nose to maintain flying speed, delay in the selection of the most suitable landing area within reach, and indecision in general. Desperate attempts to correct whatever went wrong at the expense of airplane control fall into the same category. Desire to save the airplane. The pilot who has been conditioned during training to expect to find a relatively safe landing area whenever the flight instructor closed the throttle for a simulated forced landing may ignore all basic rules of airmanship to avoid a touchdown in terrain where airplane damage is unavoidable. Typical consequences are making a 180-degree turn back to the runway when available altitude is insufficient, stretching the glide without regard for minimum control speed, in order to reach a much more appealing field, accepting an approach and touchdown situation that leaves no margin for error. The desire to save the airplane, regardless of the risks involved, may be influenced by two other factors, the pilot's financial stake in the airplane and the certainty that an undamaged airplane implies no bodily harm. There are times, however, when a pilot should be more interested in sacrificing the airplane so the occupants can safely walk away from it. Undue concern about getting hurt. Fear is a vital part of the self-preservation mechanism. However, when fear leads to panic, we invite that which we most want to avoid. The survival records favor pilots who maintain their composure and know how to apply the general concepts and procedures that have been developed through the years. The success of an emergency landing is as much a matter of the mind as of skills. Basic safety concepts. General. A pilot who is faced with an emergency landing in terrain that makes extensive airplane damage inevitable should keep in mind that the avoidance of crash injuries is largely a matter of, one, keeping vital structure, cockpit slash cabin area, relatively intact by using dispensable structure such as wings, landing gear, and fuselage bottom to absorb the violence of the stopping process before it affects the occupants. 2. Avoiding forceful bodily contact with interior structure. The advantage of sacrificing dispensable structure is demonstrated daily on the highways. A head-on car impact against a tree at 20 miles per hour, MPH, is less hazardous for a properly restrained driver than a similar impact against the driver's door. Accident experience shows that the extent of crushable structure between the occupants and the principal point of impact on the airplane has a direct bearing on the severity of the transmitted crash forces and, therefore, on survivability. Avoiding forcible contact with interior structure is a matter of seat and body security. Unless the occupant decelerates at the same rate as the surrounding structure, no benefit will be realized from its relative intactness. The occupant will be brought to a stop violently in the form of a secondary collision. Dispensable airplane structure is not the only available energy-absorbing medium in an emergency situation. Vegetation, trees, and even man-made structures may be used for this purpose.
cultivated fields with dense crops, such as mature corn and grain, are almost as effective in bringing an airplane to a stop with repairable damage as an emergency arresting device on the runway. Figure 16-1. Brush and small trees provide considerable cushioning and braking effect without destroying the airplane. When dealing with natural and man-made obstacles with greater strength than the dispensable airplane structure, the pilot must plan the touchdown in such a manner that only non-essential structure is used up in the principal slowing down process. The overall severity of a deceleration process is governed by speed, ground speed, and stopping distance. The most critical of these is speed. Doubling the ground speed means quadrupling the total destructive energy and vice versa. Even a small change in ground speed at touchdown, be it as a result of wind or pilot technique, will affect the outcome of a controlled crash. It is important that the actual touchdown during emergency landing be made at the lowest possible controllable airspeed, using all available aerodynamic devices. Most pilots will instinctively, and correctly, look for the largest available flat and open field for an emergency landing. Actually, very little stopping distance is required if the speed can be dissipated uniformly. That is, if the deceleration forces can be spread evenly over the available distance. This concept is designed into the arresting gear of aircraft carriers that provides for a nearly constant stopping force from the moment of hookup. The typical light airplane is designed to provide protection in crash landings that expose the occupants to nine times the acceleration of gravity, 9G, in the forward direction. Assuming a uniform 9G deceleration, at 50 miles per hour, the required stopping distance is about 9.4 feet, while at 100 miles per hour, the stopping distance is about 37.6 feet, about four times as great. Figure 16-2 Although these figures are based on an ideal deceleration process, it is interesting to note what can be accomplished in an effectively used short stopping distance. Understanding the need for a firm but uniform deceleration process in very poor terrain enables the pilot to select touchdown conditions that will spread the breakup of dispensable structure over a short distance, thereby reducing the peak deceleration of the cockpit-slash-cabin area. Attitude and Sink Rate Control the most critical and often most inexcusable error that can be made in planning and execution of an emergency landing, even in ideal terrain, is the loss of initiative over the airplane's attitude and sink rate at touchdown. When the touchdown is made on flat, open terrain, an excessive, nose-low pitch attitude brings the risk of sticking the nose in the ground. Steep bank angles just before touchdown should also be avoided as they will increase the stalling speed and the likelihood of a wingtip strike. Since the airplane's vertical component of velocity will be immediately reduced to zero upon ground contact, it must be kept well under control. A flat touchdown at a high sink rate, well in excess of 500 feet per minute FPM, on a hard surface can be injurious without destroying the cockpit-slash-cabin structure especially during gear-up landings in low-wing airplanes. 
a rigid bottom construction of these airplanes may preclude adequate cushioning by structural deformation. Similar impact conditions may cause structural collapse of the overhead structure in high-wing airplanes. In soft terrain, an excessive sink rate may cause digging in of the lower nose structure and severe forward deceleration. Terrain Selection A pilot's choice of emergency landing sites is governed by the route selected during pre-flight planning, the height above the ground when the emergency occurs, excess airspeed. Excess airspeed can be converted into distance and or altitude. The only time the pilot has a very limited choice is during the low and slow portion of the takeoff. However, even under these conditions, the ability to change the impact heading only a few degrees may ensure a survivable crash. If beyond gliding distance of a suitable open area, the pilot should judge the available terrain for its energy-absorbing capability. If the emergency starts at a considerable height above the ground, the pilot should be more concerned about first selecting the desired general area than a specific spot. Terrain appearances from altitude can be very misleading, and considerable altitude may be lost before the best spot can be pinpointed. For this reason, the pilot should not hesitate to discard the original plan for one that is obviously better. However, as a general rule, the pilot should not change his or her mind more than once. A well-executed crash landing in poor terrain can be less hazardous than an uncontrolled touchdown on an established field. Airplane Configuration Since flaps improve maneuverability at slow speed and lower the stalling speed, their use during final approach is recommended when time and circumstances permit. However, the associated increase in drag and decrease in gliding distance call for caution in the timing and the extent of their application. Premature use of flap and dissipation of altitude may jeopardize an otherwise sound plan. A hard and fast rule concerning the position of a retractable landing gear at touchdown cannot be given. In rugged terrain and trees, or during impacts at high sink rate, an extended gear would definitely have a protective effect on the cockpit-slash-cabin area. However, this advantage has to be weighed against the possible side effects of a collapsing gear, such as a ruptured fuel tank. As always, the manufacturer's recommendations, as outlined in the AFM-slash-POH, should be followed. When a normal touchdown is assured and ample stopping distance is available, a gear-up landing on level but soft terrain, or across a plowed field, may result in less airplane damage than a gear-down landing. Figure 16-3 Deactivation of the airplane's electrical system before touchdown reduces the likelihood of a post-crash fire. However, the battery master switch should not be turned off until the pilot no longer has any need for electrical power to operate vital airplane systems. Positive airplane control during the final parts of the approach has priority over all other considerations, including airplane configuration and cockpit checks. The pilot should attempt to exploit the power available from an irregularly running engine. However, it is generally better to switch the engine and fuel off just before touchdown. This not only ensures the pilot's initiative over the situation, but a cool-down engine reduces the fire hazard considerably.
approach when the pilot has time to maneuver the planning of the approach should be governed by three factors wind direction and velocity dimensions and slope of the chosen field obstacles in the final approach path these three factors are seldom compatible when compromises have to be made the pilot should aim for a wind obstacle terrain combination that permits a final approach with some margin for error in judgment or technique a pilot who overestimates the gliding range may be tempted to stretch the glide across obstacles in the approach path for this reason it is sometimes better to plan the approach over an unobstructed area regardless of wind direction experience shows that a collision with obstacles at the end of a ground roll or slide is much less hazardous than striking an obstacle at flying speed before the touchdown point is reached terrain types since an emergency landing on suitable terrain resembles a situation in which the pilot should be familiar through training only the more unusual situation will be discussed confined areas the natural preference to set the airplane down on the ground should not lead to the selection of an open spot between trees or obstacles where the ground cannot be reached without taking a steep descent once the intended touchdown point is reached and the remaining open and unobstructed space is very limited it may be better to force the airplane down on the ground than to delay touchdown until it stalls settles an airplane decelerates faster after it is on the ground than while airborne thought may also be given to the desirability of ground looping or retracting the landing gear in certain conditions a river or creek can be an inviting alternative in otherwise rugged terrain the pilot should ensure the water or creek bed can be reached without snagging the wings the same concept applies to road landings with one additional reason for caution man-made obstacles on either side of a road may not be visible until the final portion of the approach when planning the approach across a road it should be remembered that most highways and even rural dirt roads are paralleled by power or telephone lines only a sharp lookout for supporting structures or poles may provide timely warning trees forest although a tree landing is not an attractive prospect the following general guidelines will help make the experience survivable use the normal landing configuration full flaps gear down keep the ground speed low by heading into the wind make contact at minimum indicated airspeed but not below stall speed and hang the airplane in the tree branches in a nose-high landing attitude involving the underside of the fuselage and both wings in the initial tree contact provides a more even and positive cushioning effect while preventing penetration of the windshield figure 16-4 avoid direct contact of the fuselage with heavy tree trunks low closely spaced trees with wide dense crowns branches close to the ground are much better than tall trees with thin tops the latter allowing too much free fall height a free fall from 75 feet results in an impact speed of about 40 knots or about 4000 feet per minute ideally initial tree contact should be symmetrical that is both wings should meet equal resistance in the tree branches this distribution of the load helps to maintain proper airplane attitude it may also preclude the loss of one wing 
which invariably leads to more rapid and less predictable descent to the ground. If heavy tree trunk contact is unavoidable once the airplane is on the ground, it is best to involve both wings simultaneously by directing the airplane between two properly spaced trees. Do not attempt this maneuver, however, while still airborne. Water, ditching, and snow. A well-executed water landing normally involves less deceleration violence than a poor tree landing or a touchdown on extremely rough terrain. Also, an airplane that is ditched at minimum speed and a normal landing attitude will not immediately sink upon touchdown. Intact wings and fuel tanks, especially when empty, provide flotation for at least several minutes, even if the cockpit may be just below the waterline in a high-wing airplane. Loss of depth perception may occur when landing on a wide expanse of smooth water, with the risk of flying into the water or stalling in from excessive altitude. To avoid this hazard, the airplane should be dragged in when possible. Use no more than intermediate flaps on low-wing airplanes. The water resistance of fully extended flaps may result in asymmetrical flap failure and slowing of the airplane. Keep retractable gear up unless the AFM-POH advises otherwise. A landing in snow should be executed like a ditching, in the same configuration and with the same regard for loss of depth perception, whiteout in reduced visibility and on wide open terrain. End of part one of chapter 16.